Welcome once again to Exploring the Scriptures presentation of the Book of Mormon study with Dr. Ron Bartholomew. Here is Dr. Bartholomew. Hi folks, welcome to the Book of Mormon class. Today we're going to get deliverance from bondage, Mosiah 7-24, Zenith, Noah, Alma, and Abinadi. The first thing I want to look at is Abinadi's responses to Noah's priests. As you recall, they're brought in He's brought into them, and, and they're going to try to contend with him. They don't do a very good job. They first ask him this question. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice, with a voice together shall they sing. For they shall see eye to eye, when the Lord shall bring again Zion. Break forth into joy, sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord hath, comfort, for the Lord hath comforted his people, he hath redeemed Israel, or he hath redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of God. So the question is, what does that mean? This is Abinadi's answer. And it came to pass that one of them said unto him, What meaneth the words which are written, and which have been taught by our fathers, saying, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice, with the voice together shall they sing. For they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. Break forth into joy. Sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord hath comforted his people. He hath redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. And now Abinadi said unto them, Are you priests? and pretend to teach this people, and to understand the spirit of prophesying, and yet desire to know of me what these things mean? So in chapter 13, verses 25 to 35, Abinadi begins to answer that question. Ye have not applied your hearts to understanding, therefore, ye have not been wise. Therefore, what teach ye this people? And they said, We teach the law of Moses. And again he said unto them, if ye teach the law of Moses, why do ye not keep it? Why do you set your hearts upon riches? Why do ye commit whoredoms and spend your strength with harlots? Yea, and cause this people to commit sin, that the Lord has caused to send me to prophesy against this people, yea, even a great evil against this people? Know ye not that I speak the truth? Yea, ye know that I speak the truth and you ought to tremble before God. And it shall come to pass that ye shall be smitten for your iniquities. For ye have said that ye teach the law of Moses. And what know ye concerning the law of Moses? Does salvation come by the law of Moses? What say ye? And they answered and said that salvation did come by the law of Moses. So then... To teach them what the, the thing means, he read Mosiah 14, which is Isaiah 53. 
It's a long chapter, but it's worth the read. So we're going to read it now. Go ahead. Mosiah 14, Isaiah 53. Yea, even, even doth not Isaiah say, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquities of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no evil, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall seal the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. And so we see Abinadi makes a great testimony of the, of the prophet and Savior Jesus Christ, and tells the people what he will do for them. After he explains this to them, he continues. That was Mosiah 14. Mosiah 15, 1, verses 5 to 18. And now Abinadi said unto them, I would that ye should understand that God himself shall come down among the children of men, and shall redeem his people, and heaven and of earth, and thus the flesh becoming subject to the Spirit, or the Son to the Father, being one God, suffereth temptation, and yieldeth not to the temptation, but suffereth himself to be mocked and scourged and cast out, and disowned by his people. And after all this, after working many mighty miracles among the children of men, he shall be yet he shall be led, yea, even as Isaiah said, as a sheep before the shearer is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Yea, even so he shall be led, crucified and slain, the flesh becoming subject even unto death, the will of the Son being swallowed up in the will of the Father. And thus God breaketh the bands of death having gained the victory over death, giving the Son power to make intercession for the children of men. 
having ascended into heaven, having the bowels of mercy being filled with compassion towards the children of men, standing betwixt them and justice, having broken the bands of death, taken upon himself their iniquity and their transgressions, having redeemed them and satisfied the demands of justice. And now I say unto you, who shall declare his generation? Behold, I say unto you, that when his soul has been made an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. And now what say ye? And who shall be his seed? Behold, I say unto you, that whosoever has heard the words of the prophets, yea, all the holy prophets who have prophesied concerning the coming of the Lord, I say unto you, that all those who have hearkened unto their words and believed that the Lord would redeem his people, and have looked forward to that day for a remission of their sins, I say unto you that these are his seed, or they are the heirs of the kingdom of God. For these are they whose sins he has borne. These are they for whom he has died, to redeem them from their transgressions. And now are they not his seed? Abinadi uh, explains to the people that the saviors would, the Savior would not have seed in this life, with his seed, his children would be the people who would believe the prophets and seek remission of their sins and try to serve the Lord. Now, again, he's talking to the wicked priests of King Noah who are feeling very heart-stricken because of what he's saying. So he continues on with them. Ye are not all the prophets. Continue. Yea, and are not the prophets every one that has opened his mouth to prophesy that has not fallen into transgression? I mean all the holy prophets ever since the world began. I say unto you that they are his seed. So here, Abinadi is teaching the people the great truth about Jesus Christ, and that is that he would not have physical seed. We will become his seed as he, would, as he becomes the Father, our Father in heaven. Not, not the Father in heaven, but our, the Father of our regeneration. And so he continues... And these are they who have published peace, who have brought good tidings of good, who have published salvation, and said unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. And oh, how beautiful upon the mountains were their feet. And again, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those that are still publishing peace. And again, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those who shall hereafter publish peace, yea, from this time henceforth and forever. And behold, I say unto you, this is not all. For oh, for, oh, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that is the founder of peace, yea, even the Lord, who has redeemed his people, yea, him who has granted salvation unto his people. So Abednego is really answering their question well. They start by suggesting that that they're the people that are going to live in peace. And he's explaining them that no, he looks at the Savior are the people that will be living in peace. He says again in Isaiah 15, 20 to 31. And now I say unto you that the time shall come that the salvation of the Lord shall be declared to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. Yea, Lord, thy watchmen shall lift up their voice, with a voice together shall they sing. For they shall see eye to eye, when the Lord shall bring again Zion. Break forth into joy, sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord hath comforted his people, he hath redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm, 
in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Then in 16 verses 15, 13, and 15 he says, And now ought ye not to tremble and repent of your sins, and remember that only in and through Christ ye can be saved? Therefore, if ye teach the law of Moses, also teach that it is a shadow of those things which are to come. Teach them that redemption cometh through Christ the Lord, who is the very eternal Father. Amen. So these people have become focused on two things. Number one, living out to the sins of the world. Number two, supposedly believing in the law of Moses. When in reality, the law of Moses just testified of Christ. Maybe that explains to them in Mosiah 14, 8-10. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no evil, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So Abednego explained to them that his seed would be the people that would follow the Lord. So my mind, this is my question for you, my, my friends. Are we his seed? Are we following the Lord? Or have we become his sons and daughters? The great transition that would take place in all of our hearts. That's the real question, my friends. Whether that will be his seed. Bishop explain the following. As Isaiah stated concerning the Savior, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and with his stripes we are healed. The prophet Alma also spoke of Christ's healing power as he taught the Gideonites. Referring to Christ, Alma stated that he would go forth suffering pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind, and this that the word might be fulfilled, which saith, he will take upon him the pains and the sicknesses of his people, and he will take upon him their infirmities, that his bowels may be filled with mercy, that he may know according to the flesh how to succor his people. So, we're going to transition now from, the, from this to, to the center principle, as we talk about how we can become a how we can more closely follow the prophet. First of all, let's read Omni 1, 57, and 12 13. Behold, it came to pass that 320 years had passed away, and the more wicked part of the Nephites were destroyed. For the Lord would not suffer after he had led them out of the land of Jerusalem, and kept and preserved them from falling into the hands of their enemies. Yea, he would not suffer that the word should not be verified, which he spake unto our fathers, saying, that inasmuch as ye will not keep my commandments, ye shall not prosper in the land. Wherefore the Lord did visit them in great judgment. Nevertheless, he did spare the righteous, that they should not perish, but did deliver them out of the hands of their enemies. Behold, I am Amalekai, the son of Abinadom. Behold, I will speak unto you somewhat concerning Mosiah, who was made king over the land of Zarahemla, for behold, he being warned of the Lord, that he should flee out of the land of Nephi, and as many as would hearken unto the voice of the Lord, should also depart out of the land with him into the wilderness. And it came to pass, 
that he did according as the Lord had commanded him. And they departed out of the land into the wilderness, as many as would hearken unto the voice of the Lord. And they were led by many preachings and prophesyings. And they were admonished continually by the word of God. And they were led by the power of his arm through the wilderness, until they came down into the land which is called the land of Zarahemla. So we see from this story that although the majority of the Nephites were destroyed, the minority were not the righteous, that those who would follow the Lord followed Messiah out of the land to the land of Zarahemla. Yet we see that there are some who still wanted to go back. So it's very important that we get this straight. We're going to start by reading Mosiah 9.1, Minus 1.20, then Jeremiah 1, 6, Mosiah 9, 10-12, and then chapter 10, verse 18. And I said, go. Mosiah chapter 9, verse 1. I, Zenith, having been taught in all the language of the Nephites, and having had a knowledge of the land of Nephi, or the land of our father's first inheritance, and having been sent as a spy among the Lamanites, that I might spy out their forces, that our army might come upon them and destroy them. But when I saw that which was good among them, I was desirous that they should not be destroyed. Enos chapter 1 verse 20. Now the real question here is, what did he see that was righteous among them? Because the other prophets described in this way, Enos one twenty says, And I bear record that the people of Nephi did seek diligently to restore the Lamanites unto the true faith in God, but our labors were vain. Their hatred was fixed, and they were led by their evil nature, that they became wild and ferocious, and a bloodthirsty people, full of idolatry and filthiness, feeding upon beasts of prey, dwelling in tents, and wandering about in the wilderness, with a short-skinned girdle about their loins, and their heads shaven, and their skill was in the bow, and in the scimitar, and the axe. And many of them did eat nothing, save it was raw meat, and they were continually seeking to destroy us. So the question is, what did Zenith see that was good among them? In Jeremiah 6 we read, And they were scattered upon much of the face of the land, and the Lamanites also. And they were exceedingly more numerous than were they of the Nephites. And they loved murder, and would drink the blood of beasts. So we see people that were naked, they drank the blood of beasts. They had a, a short girdle around their waist. What did he see that was good among them? Well, he later finds out the truth about them. Mosiah 9, verses 10 to 12, it says, Now it was the cunning and the craftiness of King Laman to bring my people into bondage, that he yielded up the land that we might possess it. Therefore it came to pass that after we had dwelt in the land for the space of twelve years, that King Laman began to grow uneasy lest by any means my people should wax strong in the land, and that they could not overpower them and bring them into bondage. Now they were a lazy and idolatrous people, therefore they were desirous to bring us into bondage, that they might glut themselves with the labors of our hands, yea, that they might feast themselves upon the flocks of our fields. And then it was chapter 10, verses 18, he says the following, they were a wild and ferocious and a bloodthirsty people, believing in the tradition of their fathers, which is this, believing that they were driven out of the land of Jerusalem because of the iniquities of their fathers, and that they were wronged in the wilderness by their brethren, and they were also wronged while crossing the sea. 
and again that they were wronged while in the land of their first inheritance, after they had crossed the sea, and all this because that Nephi was more faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord. Therefore he was favored of the Lord. For the Lord heard his prayers and answered them, and he took the lead of their journey in the wilderness. And his brethren were wroth with him, because they understood not the dealings of the Lord. They were also wroth with him upon the waters, because they hardened their hearts against the Lord. And again they were wroth with him, when they had arrived in the promised land, because they said that he had taken the ruling of the people out of their hands, and they sought to kill him. And again they were wroth with him, because he departed into the wilderness, as the Lord had commanded him, and took the records which were engraven on the plates of brass, for they said that he robbed them. And thus they have taught their children that they should hate them, and that they should murder them, and that they should rob and plunder them, and do all they could to destroy them. Therefore they have an eternal hatred toward the children of Nephi. For this very cause has King Laman by his cunning and lying craftiness and his fair promises deceive me, that I have brought this my people up into this land, that they may destroy them, yea, and we have suffered these many years in the land. Well, Zenith realizes too late, by the way, that he made a wrong choice. The lesson here for us is simple. Don't follow anyone, good or bad, to bad places, not even once. They knew it was a bad place when we went there. From the very beginning, the king of King Laman had planned to put them into bondage. And they allowed themselves to grow to a number that he that that, that, that that's what he would do. Mosiah 9.3 tells the following. And yet I, being overzealous to inherit the land of our fathers, collected as many as were desirous to go up to possess the land, and started again on our journey into the wilderness to go up to the land. But we were smitten with famine and sore afflictions, for we were slow to remember the Lord our God. So he admits in that verse that he was overzealous. They weren't listening to the Lord. They weren't following the Holy Ghost. There's a great lesson we can learn from this, my friends, and it's often not taught. I remember being in a gospel doctrine class once, teaching us and having someone raise their hand and say, no, no, Zenith people were good. Zenith people, whether they were good or bad, it doesn't matter. They went to a bad place. They should never do it, not even once. My fear is that too many of us are not fully committed to living all the commandments. These saints are not willing to leave the world completely behind. They are holding back. In the priesthood leadership session of a regional conference, we sang the hymn, Ye Elders of Israel. The chorus contains a line, O Babylon, O Babylon, we bid thee farewell. Following the singing, Elder Neal A. Maxwell spoke and expressed the thought that bidding Babylon farewell is actually one of our challenges that too many of us like to keep a summer cottage there. We cannot keep one foot in the church and one foot in the world. One reason is the world and the church are rapidly diverging. We will lose our balance. We know that no man can serve two masters. Some, I fear, are attempting to do what President Mary G. Romney described as trying to, quote, serve the Lord without offending the devil. The Savior taught, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, 
wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. How do we lose our savor? One way is when we stop being different from the world. Many in the church are drifting in the direction of the world and looking and becoming more and more like the world. We must stop drifting. Elder Robert E. Hale said, quote, As Latter-day Saints, we need not look like the world. We need not entertain like the world. Our personal habits should be different. Our recreation should be different. In this day of moral relativism, we must be prepared to take a stand and say, this is right and this is wrong. We cannot follow the crowd. Now, I'm not suggesting, of course, that we move to the wilderness, lock our doors. We can be in the world, go to school, go to work, join worthwhile community organizations and so forth. But we must hold to the Lord's standards. I have a dear friend who is a respected physician. He writes a regular national article on health. Often his subject concerns nutrition. He has a problem. He loves donuts. Delicious, but not usually considered one of the world's most nutritious foods. To resolve this dilemma, he has come up with what he calls his 80-20 theory of nutrition. This theory says if you are very good 80% of the time, you can eat what you want the other 20% of the time. Now, this may be all right in nutrition, but the 80-20 principle is not acceptable in such things as gambling, pornography, or honesty. Brothers and sisters, are we sometimes 80-20 members of the church? Brothers and sisters, let's sell that summer cottage in Babylon. Let us be not almost, but altogether Latter-day Saints. So, Brother Gibbons provides a great test for all of us. Do what our neighbors know are members of the church just by, just by watching us. What do they have to ask to find out first? Are we so much following the ways of the world in terms of home sizes, cars, etc.? That where it is impossible to tell the difference between us and the members of the church and those who are members of the church. Mosiah ten eighteen it says the following For this very cause has King Laman by his cunning and lying craftiness in his fair promises deceived me, but I have brought this my people up into this land, that they may destroy them, yea, and we have suffered these many years in the land. The lesson is simple. Overzealousness allows one to be deceived. If we're overzealous about anything worldly, anything that's contrary to God's plan, it allows us to be deceived, just like Zeno was deceived. And many people suffer because of it. Getting into bondage. We allow the attorneyness of the world to allure you away from the providence or back to your place of situation of spiritual physical danger. That's what these people did. They allowed the attractiveness of the world to allure them away from the providence. They leave the prophet behind. They leave the prophet in Zarahemla and they go down, back down to the land of Lehi-Nevi and they, they go back to a place of spiritual or physical danger. Next, they find themselves separated or detached from the Lord destroyed in his church. These people try to remake the church with their, with their efforts were vain. Next, they forgot the Lord, his covenants, and their own covenants. They led the wholesale sinning, which often takes more than one generation which led to physical, moral, spiritual bondage, to despise sin and habit. 
My friends, this is a very simple pattern of, uh, to avoid. We should not seek to get into what is or other. We should seek to stay out of it. Um, we need to allow the attorneys of the world to lure us away from the power and our back to our physical, physical danger. We cannot allow that to happen. So in Mosiah 7.33, we see a pattern for deliverance from bondage, a contrast comparison. We have other people, we have Kimberly and Levi's people, we're going to compare the two. They both, they both are delivered from bondage, but in very different ways. First of all, I will. And the people were desirous that Alma should be their king, for he was beloved by his people. But he said unto them, Behold, it is not expedient that we should have a king. For thus saith the Lord, Ye shall not esteem one flesh above another, or one man shall not think himself above another. Therefore I say unto you, It is not expedient that ye should have a king. Nevertheless, if it were possible that ye could always have just men to be your kings, it would be well for you to have a king. But remember the iniquity of King Noah and his priests, and I myself was caught in a snare, and did many things which were abominable in the sight of the Lord, which caused me sore repentance. Nevertheless, after much tribulation, the Lord did hear my cries and did answer my prayers, and has made me an instrument in his hands in bringing so many of you to a knowledge of his truth. Nevertheless, in this I do not glory, for I am unworthy to glory of myself. <laughs> and now I say unto you, ye have been oppressed by King Noah, and have been in bondage to him and his priests, and have been brought into iniquity by them. Therefore ye were bound with the bands of iniquity. And now as ye have been delivered by the power of God out of these bonds, yea, even out of the hands of King Noah and his people, and also from the bonds of iniquity, even so I desire that ye should stand fast in this liberty, wherewith ye have been made free, and that ye trust no man to be a king over you. And also trust no one to be your teacher nor your minister, except he be a man of God, walking in his ways and keeping his commandments. Thus did Alma teach his people, that every man should love his neighbor as himself, and that there should be no contention among them. And now Alma was their high priest, he being the founder of their church. And it came to pass that none received authority to preach or to teach, except it were by him from God. Therefore he consecrated all their priests and all their teachers, and none were consecrated except they were just men. Therefore they did watch over their people, and did nourish them with things pertaining to righteousness. And it came to pass that they began to prosper exceedingly in the land, and they called the land Helam. As we contrast this to King Louis, you always see the following. For behold, it came to pass that while they were in the land of Helam, yea, in the city of Helam, while tilling the land round about, behold, an army of the Lamanites was in the borders of the land. No, that's wrong. Mosiah 1926. And also Limhi, being the son of the king, having the kingdom conferred upon him by the people, made oath unto the king of the Lamanites, that his people should pay tribute unto him, even one half of all they possessed. So you see that Alan's people were, were also in bondage, but they, don't have, they, they, they have a different experience. Mosiah 23, verses 25 to 29, says the following. For behold, it came to pass that while they were in the land of Helam, yea, in the city of Helam, 
while tilling the land, while tilling the land round about, behold, an army of the Lamanites was in the borders of the land. Now it came to pass that the brethren of Alma fled from their fields, and gathered themselves together in the city of Helam, and they were much frightened because of the appearance of the Lamanites. But Alma went forth and stood among them, and exhorted them that they should not be frightened, but, they, but that they should remember the Lord their God, and he would deliver them. Therefore they hushed their fears and began to cry unto the Lord that he would soften the hearts of the Lamanites, that they would spare them and their wives and their children. And it came to pass that the Lord did soften the hearts of the Lamanites, and Alma and his brethren went forth and delivered themselves up into their hands. And the Lamanites took possession of the land of Helam. So you see that Alma and his people are also taking advantage by those people, but they act quite a bit differently than Helamites people do. Isaiah 21, 6-12 says, And it came to pass that the people began to murmur with the king because of their afflictions. And they began to be desirous to go against them to battle. And they did afflict the king sorely with their complaints. Therefore he granted unto them that they should do according to their desires. And they gathered themselves together again and put on their armor and went forth against the Lamanites to drive them out of their land. And it came to pass that the Lamanites did beat them and drove them back and slew many of them. And now there was a great mourning and lamentation among the people of Limhi, the widow mourning for her husband, the son and the daughter mourning for their father, and the brothers for their brethren. Now there were a great many widows in the land, and they did cry mightily from day to day, for a great fear of the Lamanites had come upon them. And it came to pass that their continual cries did stir up the remainder of the people of Limhi to anger against the Lamanites. And they went again to battle, but they were driven back again, suffering much loss. And so we see Alma's people refuse to have a king. King of people have a king. Alma's people submit humbly to the Lamanites. King of people fight the Lamanites. There's a great contrast comparison here. The lesson is simple. Number one, don't have a king. Two, don't fight. If you're if you're putting money, just don't fight first. Next, we read in Alma. Mosiah 24, verse 9-15. For Amulon knew Alma, that he had been one of the king's priests, and that it was he that believed the words of Abinadi, and was driven out before the king. And therefore he was wroth with him, for he was subject to King Laman. Yet he exercised authority over them, and put tasks upon them, and put taskmasters over them. And it came to pass that so great were their afflictions, that they began to cry mightily to God. And Amulon commanded them that they should stop their cries. And he put guards over them to watch them, that whosoever should be found calling upon God should be put to death. And Alma and his people did not raise their voices to the Lord their God, but did pour out their hearts to him, and he did know the thoughts of their hearts. And it came to pass that the voice of the Lord came to them in their affliction, saying, Lift up your heads and be of good comfort, for I know of the covenant which ye have made unto me, and I will covenant with my people, and deliver them out of bondage. And I will also ease the burdens which are put, which are put upon your shoulders, that even you cannot feel them upon your backs, even while you are in bondage. And this will I do, that ye may stand as witnesses for me hereafter, and that ye may know of a surety 
that I, the Lord God, do visit my people in their afflictions. And now it came to pass that the burdens which were laid upon Alma and his brethren were made light. Yea, the Lord did strengthen them, that they could bear up their burdens with ease, and they did submit cheerfully and with patience to all the will of the Lord. Meanwhile, healing blessings come in many ways, each suited to our individual needs, as known to him who loves us best. Sometimes a healing cures our illness or lifts our burden. But sometimes we are healed by being given strength or understanding or patience to bear the burdens placed upon us. The people who followed Alma were in bondage to wicked oppressors. When they prayed for relief, the Lord told them he would deliver them eventually. But in the meantime, he would ease their burdens that even you cannot feel them upon your backs, even while you are in bondage. And this will I do, that ye may stand as witnesses, that I, the Lord God, do visit my people in their afflictions. In that case, the people did not have their burdens removed, but the Lord strengthened them so that they could bear up their burdens with ease, and they did submit cheerfully and with patience to all the will of the Lord. This same promise and effect applies to you mothers who are widowed or divorced, to you singles who are lonely, to you caregivers who are burdened, to you persons who are addicted, and to all of us, whatever our burden. What a beautiful promise from President Oaks. These uh, promises apply to all of us if we'll stay faithful to the Lord. Meanwhile, keep the nice people. And now the Lord was slow to hear their cry because of their iniquities. Nevertheless, the Lord did hear their cries and began to soften the hearts of the Lamanites, that they began to ease their burdens. Yet the Lord did not see fit to deliver them out of bondage. So you have Alan's people carrying burdens that are so heavy they can't, they're so heavy, but yet they can't fill them because they're made light. You have King Lamanites people who are still suffering because they're not giving the cross of, the of the Lord. Mosiah 24, verses 16 through 25. Mosiah chapter 24, verses 16 through 25. And it came to pass that so great was their faith and their patience, that the voice of the Lord came unto them again, saying, Be of good comfort, for on the morrow I will deliver you out of bondage. And he said unto Alma, Thou shalt go before this people, and I will go with thee and deliver this people out of bondage. Now it came to pass that Alma and his people, in the night time, gathered their flocks together, and also of their grain. Yea, be, yea, even all the night time were they gathering their flocks together. And in the morning the Lord caused a deep sleep to come upon the Lamanites. Yea, and all their taskmasters were in a profound sleep. And Alma and his people departed into the wilderness, and when they had traveled all day, they pitched their tents in the valley. And they called the valley Alma, because he had led their way in the wilderness. Yea, and in the valley of Alma they poured out their thanks to God, because he had been merciful unto them, and eased their burdens, and had delivered them out of bondage. For they were in bondage, and none could deliver them except it were the Lord their God. And they gave thanks to God. Yea, all their men and all their women and all their children that could speak, lifted their voice in the praises of their God. And now the Lord said unto Alma, Haste thee, and get thou and this people out of this land. For the Lamanites have awakened, and do pursue thee. 
Therefore get thee out of this land, and I will stop the Lamanites in this valley, that they come no further in pursuit of this people. And it came to pass that they departed out of the valley, and took their journey into the wilderness. And after they had been in the wilderness twelve days, they arrived in the land of Zarahemla, and King Mosiah did also receive them with joy. What's interesting here is Alma's people, not one person is killed. No one person has to fight. He takes his women and his children and everybody with him, and, and they escape into the night with the Lamanites asleep. Meanwhile, the Lamanite people experience the following. And King Lamanite caused that his people should gather their flocks together, and he sent the tribute of wine to the Lamanites, and he also sent more wine as a present unto them. And they did drink freely of the wine which King Limhi did send unto them. And it came to pass that the people of King, that the people of King Limhi did depart by night into the wilderness with their flocks and their herds. And they went round about the land of Shilom in the wilderness, and bent their course towards the land of Zarahemla, being led by Ammon and his brethren. And they had taken all their gold and silver and their precious things which they could carry and also their provisions with them into the wilderness, and they pursued their journey. And after being many days in the wilderness, they arrived in the land of Zarahemla, and joined Mosiah's people, and became his subjects. So both crews eventually end up back where they, where they should have been in the first place, with Mosiah's people. But the Amos people go with a much safer way to go. Uh, no one dies, no one is killed. Humanized people fight and fight and fight or destroyed many, or a lot of people are destroyed many times. Plus they have a king. Now when they get to Zarahemla, Humanized is no longer the king. And they go back to what they're supposed to be doing. But there's a great lesson we learn here. For doing the Lord's way versus doing the people's way. They both end up in the same place at the end, but it's difficult to get there. My friends. What is the difference? Between the people of Alma and the people of King Limhi. Obviously, there are several differences. The people of Alma were peaceful and more righteous. They had already been baptized and entered into a covenant with the Lord. They humbled themselves before the Lord, even before their tribulation started. All these differences made it appropriate and fair that the Lord would deliver them quickly in a miraculous way from the hand which had kept them in bondage. Oh, remember I just went to you of the power of the Lord. My friends, we live in 2020. We can do things the Lord's way. We can do things the world's way. If we do things the Lord's way, we'll be delivered. Well, our friends, we, 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 we made light. We'll be able to stand and withstand them and we'll be able to do what the Lord wants us to do. If we do things the Lord's way, if we do things the world's way, we'll have to suffer the way King Lumi's people had to suffer. They all eventually end up in the same place at the end, but it takes a while to get there. I want to remember just one of the parts of these chapters, the parts of the chapters of of these these two stories as it shows what happens to the people when they leave the prophet and how hard it is to get back. I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for being with us today for another segment of Dr. Bartholomew's insightful review of the Book of Mormon. This podcast is presented through the facilities of Golden Gems Radio. 
We invite you to listen to www.goldengems.net, where you'll find presented each week a review of the music and career of one of the great musical artists from the 40s, 50s, and 60s, when music was music, in the golden days of radio. Please join us again next week for another episode in the Book of Mormon with Dr. Bartholomew.